if I if I may just jump back to that story of Uzzah in the in the the Ark of the Covenant, I mean the compassion there and the patience God had there was extreme. If we if we know what was supposed to happen. Hello, welcome to the PonderCast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. Hello and welcome back to the PonderCast. I'm glad, of, as usual, that you could join us once again. And we're, as usual, bamboozled by the fact that you're listening to us. Uh, my name is Perry Sittens. <coughs> and I'm joined by Drew Petker. How are you, Drew? I'm doing well, Perry. I'm doing very well. Oh, that was a Good. rough start, just so everyone knows. That was about the third recording of us trying to introduce <laughs> this thing. So, oh man, it's rough uh, start today. It's a rough, rough start. Day. Yeah, it's uh, quite a time trying to start this. We this is episode ten, by the way, uh, and we can't. We seem to not be able to get our crap together. Um, but I think we are. You have a new microphone. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're. I think we're going places with this. Uh, yeah. Big deal. New microphone. Yeah. New podcast. You know. Just <laughs> everything's gonna be totally different. I was yeah. thinking though, the tenth podcast, we should have done like the Decalogue or something. You know, we should have done like the Ten Ooh, Commandments oh, or some. Oh, I missed like opportunity it. right there. Well, okay. <laughs> We can let's, change it right now. Let's, let's just change that. our let's topic just for the day. Let's scrap that right now and see what we can talk about uh, about the decalogue on the top of our head. I think that would be a gong show if we tried to just talk about it without any kind of preparation. But uh, yeah, yeah. We, we could probably pull it off. Probably be at least listen to one. But yeah. So uh, last weekend I went camping uh, with my two brothers, and I thought. It's going it's the end of June. It's going to be a great weekend. Last time I went camping with I think I talked about this last week. Last time I went camping yeah. with them, it was uh, May, long. May, May long, it froze. Yeah. It was not a it, there it was the the days were nice. The days were sunny, so it was nice to go hiking. Uh we got there on Friday and it was raining. Well, that's not a good sign. Uh so it it and it stopped raining. It didn't rain all night, so that was nice. In the morning it was raining. We get up it kind of, it stops raining a little bit. We could make breakfast and then it starts raining again. And we're like, Oh, come on. So my brother was like, Perry, do you have Netflix on your phone? And, uh, he was, he was ready to just sit in the car and, and watch a movie. <laughs> uh, but then we set up a, we set up a tarp. We were si- we were sitting under that tarp for hours probably. And we were driving yeah. around, we were driving around and stuff. And we're just sitting under that tarp. And finally we were just like, let's just go home. This is brutal. And the mosquitoes were horrible at night. Oh, it was right. just, it's like, I, I don't think I can go camping with, with those two anymore because it's just not been a good track record so far. That's rough. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only thing about camping. You can't really control the weather. It's kind of just, yeah. hopefully it's good. I think we should have just been paying attention. We had this hopeful optimism. We had this naive optimism that, oh, it's going to be sunny out. It's going to be great when we go camping. Yeah. And anyways. That's uh, what you tell yourself to get yourself out there. That's what you say. Oh, I'll be good. And then you go out there. We all knew it was yeah. going to suck. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't just not. <laughs> well, and then thinking about if it was just raining and no mosquitoes, I think that would have been different. But the fact that we had to get into the tent and sleep all night with mosquitoes buzzing around like it was like a it was like a mosquito sanctuary in there it was 
They were having a good time camping, but we weren't. Okay. Let's, um, now that I've uh, ranted about my weekend and, and that was kind of my therapy. It was, quick that was, it was a bit of my therapy session. That's, that's what I'm, you know, I, I, I need to admit that Drew, that, uh, I've been branding this as a time of thinking, but I think it's been more of my time of therapy. Your time of therapy? Yeah. Did you deal with your life issues? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so again, the Pondercast, where two guys who don't know what they're talking about are trying to solve the world's theological issues. Um, and I think we should yep. start with some trivia this morning. Let's, tr- let's uh, mm-hmm. start with a little bit of fun this morning. Fun. So true. can be fun. <laughs> of course it can. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. <sighs> that was a very loud sip of coffee, just so you know. I was trying to be passive aggressive. Um, oh, okay. Okay, Drew. We have some yeah. Old Testament trivia for you, uh, our New Testament right. specialist here on the Pondercast. And it is multiple choice, so you're not going to be thrown into the, into the wild too much. I took this out of a game, <laughs> out of a board game. Okay. Well, Moses was on Mount Sinai. What did Aaron make for the Israelites? A, an altar. B, a golden calf. C, a statue of Moses. I'm going to go B, a golden calf. Final answer. Ding, 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 ding. That's correct. Found in Exodus 28. Exodus 32, actually. Oh, so close. All right. Oh, here's a good, here's a good one. Uh, this goes along with okay. what we were talking about earlier. What was Moses carrying when he came down the mountain? Not going to give you the multiple choice. I'm just going to leave you out in the woods for this one. What was Moses carrying when he came down the mountain? A couple of tablets. <laughs> a couple of tablets with a bunch of commandments on it. A bunch of tablets like iPads and... and uh... Yeah. He'll go two tablets with uh, 10 commandments on them. Ding, ding, ding. That'll be my final answer. Okay. You know, one of my favorite movie scenes is, uh, it's a Mel Brooks movie called the History of the World, and he's playing Moses, and he comes down the mountain with three tablets, and he says, behold, he drops one tablet, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> okay, one last one, and That's then we'll get, into, yeah, we'll get into our topic. What, when God spoke to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, what was their response? A, they cheered. B, they trembled. C, they ran away. Let's go. They trembled. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. Moses. Uh, Moses. I just called you Moses. Drew. Oh, thanks. You win a three-week trip to the Caribbean now. Right on. Paid for by sponsors, by, uh, sponsors of the Pondercast. Okay. Speaking of sponsors of the Pondercast, we'd like to mention our sponsor right now. <laughs> um, just kidding. That'd be a good segue into it, though. We have none. <laughs> no. And that's okay. We are okay with not having a sponsor. But anyway, <laughs> how, no, how, but, no, we don't. How, how much can I really hint? <laughs> All right. Let's yeah, get Gail's into, into it. So today, Perry, I thought there's no real prelude to it. I don't know why we, I thought I would want to do this, but I thought it'd be cool to kind of tackle the question of the wrath or the justment, the justice of God in the Old Testament. Because I think um, you're kind of alluded to it with the golden calf and kind of these, these different stories. But I think we, if we look, when people look at the Old Testament, we view God. I feel like 
it almost looks like a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the idea that God acts so harshly in the Old Testament. God's so mean in the Old Testament, so brutal in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Where in the New Testament, he's all love and patient, right? And it's it's all this kindness and all this love. Mm-hmm. Lovey-dovey. And yeah, and then the Old Testament, it's all mean father that's going to crush people and smite mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. strike down people and there's none of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so today I kind of want I kind of wrestle with that idea of the wrath of God in the Old Testament. Like, how do we, how do we deal with it? What do we do with it? Because it's there. We can't just ignore it. Well, we can't ignore it, but I think that'd be foolish. I think we should just like look at it and kind of stare right in the face and see what we can actually make of it. And so part of that, I think to start, I just want to look at the idea of what what I just said, the idea of the character of God seems to change from the Old to the New Testament. And because this is kind of a place where we say, well, you can think differently. We should probably live by that. So <laughs> is there any room in theology to actually say the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament? Or is that is that is there room for that? Or is that just straight up heresy in your view? Yeah, in my, in my view. Um, yeah, yeah, it's well, a good... I, the reason, the reason uh, I say your view, because I mean... Yes. Sorry, the reason I say your view, because I mean, people, I scholars say, oh yeah, God's totally different in the Old Testament. It's like, right. okay, well, obviously that's a belief out there. So in your view, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Sorry to well, and I was, I was saying it a bit, uh, a bit pejoratively, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good point that you, you're bringing up our mission statement of thinking differently. Uh, and, yeah. and, I, and I wanted to, I, I was thinking about that a little bit about, is there room to think about God differently uh between the the old and new testament i'm open to hearing people's opinions uh but i i just think that there is some parameters there where it seems like god is working a bit differently in the old testament versus the new testament but is his character i don't think his character is different in the old and the new testament we see very much that i i think if you're reading the scriptures from a view of I want to know who God is and I want to submit to this God of the Bible. I think you're going to see that his character is consistent, but we just have to understand how that uh, is consistent. I'll think about, uh, I want to think about say in Hebrews where it says Jesus Christ is the same today, uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think that reflects the character of God and that has to do with, I mean, Jesus is eternal. He is a member of the Godhead. The author of Hebrews wasn't trying to articulate theology there. He was trying to encourage his, his congregants. But I think it does contribute to the fact that God is an eternal being and that he is the same. So, yes, there can be a bit of wiggle room to talk about, to talk about how God is different but i don't think his character is i don't think his care uh his who he is doesn't change if god can change then is he actually god if god can say if god can say i'm gonna be mean here but i'm gonna be nice here does god have a is god bipolar (laughs) not to use that pejoratively i don't i don't want to offend people by using that but is god does he have mood swings like how can we trust that this god is not going to change his mind. Well, not, but that's exactly the, the problem here. Like 
by saying God is all wrath, not all wrath, but mostly wrath in the Old Testament and mostly love in the New Testament. I mean, that's you're basically saying God is bipolar. Like, like you said, not just not just offend people, but that's kind of the connotation you get from it, right? There's two different moods. There's two different sub personalities almost here, which is, I I mean, I have to strongly disagree with that just because it's like, would you, would you think it's like different attributes are highlighted? Like, would you say, Oh yes. Um, God's wrath is highlighted more. We see it more in the old Testament than the new, oh, yeah. like, and, and perhaps that's just because the new Testament, it talks about the wrath of God in revelation. We just, it's not, there though right like it's not hasn't happened yet and so maybe we 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 don't view it as a history because it's not history yet to us anyway you know what i mean Mm -hmm. no i just i think that the so just to be clear the god in the old testament has to be the same as the god in the new testament has to be the same god right we if it's not then i think that goes against what scripture kind of tells us i think right Right. because jesus references the old testament says that he's what they were talking about and i think it's it's pretty clear that it's the same god maybe different attributes are kind of highlighted in the character of god um from the old to the new mm-hmm. um, absolutely and, and it's true i mean there seems to be a lot more deaths from human action like from human human problem human situations like humans doing things where god deals out wrath mm. and we see that lots in the old testament but i don't know if we see it at all in the new testament right we see oh we uh, I, people I, die. Would, people... I would argue that we definitely see god's wrath in the new testament and it's and it's own and it's hard to, to wrestle with like uh because we we almost think that the god in the new testament it, it's easy to think that the god in the new testament isn't a god of judgment because he judged jesus but think about Ananias right. and Sapphira. Uh, they lied to the Holy Spirit and they were struck dead oh, right yeah. there. Right. Uh, yeah. Even um, with King Herod, when he was persecuting Christians and then he was struck dead there. What, what Luke is trying to show there is mm. God's, is God's divine judgment in history. But we don't, but we just don't seem to see those kind of things happening where we where or, or we try not to we we've separated we've separated the spiritual and the physical so much that when stuff happens we just say it was natural occurrences and and I right, don't want yeah. and I and I and I and I hesitate to go down that that rabbit trail because that's a hard rabbit trail to wrestle with. we want to talk about the bible here but one but one more thing I'll say is as I said before, people who want to read the Bible to understand who God is and to submit to him will want to know who he is. Whereas I think people who don't want to know who God is and who don't want to submit to him don't want to see that there is continuity between the two Testaments because they don't want to believe that there is a God. They want to have an excuse to say, oh, God is mean. God is wrathful. Therefore, I don't want to believe right. this guy. He's a he's 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 terrible. How can God be all loving? I'm not going to follow him. And they're you know it's right. just it's it seems like an, it's an excuse to not follow God. Whereas somebody whose heart is warmed right. and tender towards God will say, "I want to figure this out. I want to I want to know right. why is God like this, 
And that's the heart that needs to come into a conversation like this. Uh, is right. Because if you're going to come into a conversation like this saying, God is mean, and I don't want to have anything to do with him, then obviously this is not a conversation for you. Or would you agree with that? No, I think because you already have a preconceived idea of what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already think God is mean and not fair or judgmental or whatever you want to call it. And so you come in with that kind of lens. Well, obviously you're going to, everything you hear is going to be through that lens then. And interesting knowing what those two examples that you were kind of saying, the people who lied to the Holy Spirit, is that, I can't remember the two names, Ananias, Ananias, is that right? Yeah, and Sapphira. Yeah, and Sapphira. So they knowingly did something wrong and then lied about it, right? So it was, and Herod, we don't really, I think, I feel like people don't really care about Herod as much because he wasn't really a good guy anyway. Do you mean like, do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, oh, those are the enemies of God. So in the Old Testament, we see people that seemingly do nothing wrong. Mm. I say seemingly because it's very kind of fuzzy if you don't know right. history yeah. of it. Yeah. And yet God's wrath is put upon them. And so hopefully, I was hoping today we can kind of just stare down the, the barrel of some of these and just kind of look at them and see what they're worth. Because I think there's like two... Two that well, there's three kind of examples I think that are kind of the the most graphic. I don't know if graphic's the right word, mm. but kind of out there. And one's in uh, Leviticus 10, where two sons of Aaron bring fire before the Lord. They're going to offer things to the Lord, so they're going to bring a sacrifice to the Lord. Is what they're doing. They do it wrongfully, and then they get struck down. They bring wrong fire before the Lord and get struck down. It's kind of there's this big scene after what's happening, but it seems pretty innocent. I mean. There are people who want to come worship God and they do it wrongly. And then the wrath of God is put upon them. And so I think that's a lot different than I stole, I lied about it. And then this, or I was persecuting Christians and then you got struck down. You mean, it's a lot, it's a different scenario. You know what I mean? They're seemingly Mm -hmm. doing a really good thing, like offering sacrifices to the Lord. And so there's that story. And then uh, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, you get the story of Uzzah, who, the man who wanted to be the hero and save the ark from touching the ground when it was falling off the ox cart. Mm. And he dies instantly as soon as he touches the ark. I think that, I think that one for me always got me when I was growing up because I thought, he's, he's trying to save the place where God mm. resides with his people. He's, exactly. he's doing this noble, heroic yeah. thing, and he <laughs> dies. It's like, how? It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think... Those are some, I think those are the two main ones. I mean, and then there's the idea of holy war, hmm. which might be a podcast totally on its own because <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of things to deal with there. Mm-hmm. And we might be, mm-hmm. maybe we'll do that. If, if people want to hear that one, maybe we'll shout out. If you want to hear that, leave a comment or something, but next, um, next year, I need like a year to prepare for that. One. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, but it draws into this too, right? When God right. says go wipe out all these people. Well, it seems pretty wrathful, right? And I think there's more right. well, one, behind that. One, uh, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but I thought it was really interesting that you're, you're talking about when the Israelites are going into the promised land. Is that what you're referring to in that regard? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I would say yes, sure. Okay, because... That. Yeah, when they're, told, when they're told to wipe out all man, woman, child, like kill all the livestock or whatever, like whatever each, mm-hmm. I can't say what each battle was, but yeah, stuff like that. Cause I've, I've heard, uh, 
this is one view, and I thought it was really interesting that as the Israelites are going into the promised land, they were to subdue evil. They were to subdue the ungodly nations. And that was their uh, Adamic commission, just as Adam was commissioned to subdue the creatures in the garden that was transferred over to, to Israel as they're going into the promised land, subdue uh, these ungodly nations. God didn't want the mixture in, in the promised land. He wanted, right. He wanted there to be purity uh, in, in the land. I thought that was a really interesting view of things, but it's still, it's easy to think, Oh, that just seems so harsh of God to say that. Why couldn't God just exile them to the other part of the world or something, something like that, or, or make yeah, just... them, or make them holy. You know, why did he, why did he do that? Why did he command them yeah. to do such a thing? I mean, some of those also have to do with the long time delay. I mean, when Israel is going to wipe out some nations, like they had a chance to repent or they had a chance to move or they had a chance to let Israel through and didn't. And so some of them have a, there's this idea of this time, this long last, long awaiting kind of judgment to come upon these people. And, and other examples of that are like Noah, right? Noah and the flood. They knew it was going to come. Noah was saying it was coming. He was obviously building a huge ark, right? And so there's kind of this long awaited time where people knew it was going to come, but no one really believed it. Like there's a long awaited kind of judgment. And that's why I think these these two stories that I mentioned in Leviticus and Second Samuel are really interesting because it's sudden and swift judgment. Like there's no um, long period of time, right? It's just like you do something wrong and all of a sudden that person is dead. Like just bang, bang, bang. Like just it's quick and swift and kind of disturbing because it just it doesn't seem like it makes any sense to us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why these these two stories specifically kind of rub people the wrong way because it just seems so swift and kind of crucial and cruel i guess i don't know if that's the right mm. right way to say that and so a question i want to pose is is there a way we can actually come to an understanding of these or is our answer just god is sovereign and we just have to kind of like do whatever with what happens like is there just kind of like a there's no explanation for it we just have to deal with it and move on kind of thing like is, is there a way to kind of wrestle with these ideas? Is there a way to kind of come to terms with what's happening and, and make sense of it? Oh, absolutely. And with the help of our good buddy, the late Dr. Sproul, uh, R.C. Sproul, we can... Oh, yeah. Uh, he really helps reconcile these things. I remember when I read his book, The Holiness of God, for the first time, he brought a lot of clarity to what was happening, especially with that... With that, yeah. uh, with that with the story of Uzzah. Yeah. Why the heck would God judge Uzzah for, for trying to grab the ark and, and simply kind of had to do with, he wasn't from the family line to do such a thing. He wasn't a Levite. And, and so that was, that's the main thing. He's, he wasn't part of the family line to take care of the instruments of a part of the tabernacle. And also, R.C. Right. Sproul makes an interesting point. The, the Ark of the Covenant, it would have been better for it to land on God's earth than, than in an unholy hand, an unclean hand. I yeah. thought that's a really interesting way to reconcile uh, that, that particular incident. Do you want to comment on that? Well, I was just going to say, it kind of goes back to our episode on um, 
um, inherited sin, the idea of like everyone has that sin upon them. And I remember uh, I read the book a long time. I haven't reread this part, but the idea of has the, has the ground committed sin against God? Has the ground committed treason against God? Mm. And RC, no, the ground has not committed treason against its creator mm-hmm. where man has committed treason. Right? He mm-hmm. has tried to claim the throne. And I thought, I thought that was really interesting kind of point to kind of push back on that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have more to say on that story, the Uzo story? No, I, but I wanted to comment on Nadab and Abihu because you said, uh, and I, I think you were saying it a little, you were trying to be a little, uh, a bit witty, not witty, but you were trying to kind of entice us there a little bit by saying they seemed like they were doing a good thing by worshiping, but yeah, yeah. it says that they offered up this strange fire, this profane fire. Uh, I've heard theories that they were likely drunk. Uh, they were, they were, oh, wow. they were doing, they were doing something that was not proper. They weren't just going into worship. They were doing thing. They were doing something that was not right. And especially as priests, uh, what they were doing was uh, uh, abominable to the Lord, and He judged them. And 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 what does He say to uh, God? Says to the people, "I need to be considered holy before you. Don't take me for granted. Treat me with respect." But I mean, yeah, they were off. It, you're right. They were. It was a wrong sacrifice. It was wrong. Strange fire. They weren't worshiping with prostitutes like most other nations they didn't have asherah poles they weren't offering child sacrifices to the moloch right like it, it se- just by reading the text it doesn't seem like it's that bad do you know what i mean mm. like it seems like oh they could have done a lot worse things but they just brought the strange fire mm. but i do think you're right and if we if we understand the text i mean this is i mean we don't know this for sure but i mean in Leviticus 8 is when the priests are ordained. And this is two chapters later, they do this thing. I would presume it's the same people who got the instructions on how to do things are now doing it wrongfully. And so that's kind of interesting that if we, I mean, I feel like we'd have a lot more sympathy for them if this was like eight generations later and they made this mistake. It's like, oh, well, it obviously wasn't passed on to them. I'm pretty sure they got just they had just gotten these instructions on how to do this, and they kind of took it into their own hands and did what they wanted. That's all kind of I look at that story. I had I had a couple of points on Uza, unless you had a couple more things you want to say on those two. Well, with those two fellows, and I, I, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't think even if they did it eight generations down the line, it wouldn't. It, it, God's wrath against them would be justifiable because the text indicates that they offered up something that was improper as priests. Right. They shouldn't have been doing that. And so God's wrath was justifiable against these people who are set apart uh, for his purposes. Throughout the Old Testament, God judges people who he has set apart. He judges them for straying from his purposes not necessarily smiting right. them, but we even see that at the beginning of, of, uh, of, of the world, when he creates Adam and Eve, he sets them apart for his purposes. And when they don't do that, they, they're judged. We see that over and over again. When, when his people who are set apart don't follow his commands, they're judged. Nadab, Nadab, I'm going to say Nabob, uh, Nahab and Nabob. Abihu, 
they don't they don't follow those commands like they they go and do their own thing and and they're judged for that right. we see that even in judges where the people it says the people did what they thought was right in their own eyes and what happened they were judged but god showed compassion on them that's that's the key here and i and i and I, I apologize if i'm getting ahead of, of you here but we really need no to, no that's fine. but there's that balance here of i think we see that really nicely in in judges where they're they're doing wrong god says okay you know you need to understand that you're not doing what's right so he sends them off into judgment but then he has compassion on them and delivers them from from the people who he he sends them into judgment by letting other nations kind of take over and then he's and then he sends somebody to deliver them from that so there's how does that play into nidab and abihu he's showing the people he's showing his people i i i am holy and i need to be treated as holy here so don't don't be reckless uh when you're especially especially because they were in the tabernacle they were in the holy of holies especially because they were in the holy of holies so to kind of bring that to i mean kind of sober us up a little bit so when we're worshiping god i mean they were basically they're worshiping that's what they were doing in the tabernacle i was i was uh, thinking about this huh well maybe do we worship wrongly? Like, do you mean like when we bring worship to God, are we doing the mm-hmm. same thing that Ahab and Abihu are doing? I think it was kind of challenging me in my personal life. I mean, we don't have to make this personal or anything, but just, <laughs> I don't know, there's something to think about. It was like, geez, like if they got, if they did it wrongly and that, and, and God took it that seriously, my worship, obviously he takes seriously too. Right. And mm-hmm. maybe I should take it more seriously. Like I said, this isn't a devotional or anything. I'm not, I'm not saying this is like a pastoral kind of pocket. It was just, that was something that I was thinking of when I was looking at these things. Like, hmm, maybe, I, maybe we should be taking our worship more seriously. Oh yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. We, we do need to, we do need to take our worship seriously. We, we shouldn't bring our, our sin. We, we should be repenting as we're entering into worship. We should be asking yeah. for forgiveness every day, but there's still, there's that wonderful reality that, we worship through Jesus. We worship through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why our worship is acceptable. Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without God the Father, our worship is meaningless. Uh, and so thankfully, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here in this conversation. But, but thinking about this as New Testament believers, there is that reality where God's wrath has been appeased and I know people don't like that language. That almost seems pagan where, you know, we have to do these, we have to make sure that these things are done so that the pagan God doesn't attack us. Right. Uh, like whatever that may be, God's wrath has been appeased in the New Testament. Essentially, right. we read that in Romans, Jesus has, has appeased God's wrath. We do not have to live in fear of facing wrath. We don't have to. We're not going to face future condemnation. That's that's the thing here. Uh, when we read Revelation, we don't have to fear the things that are going to come. We don't have to fear God, God's wrath that's going to be poured out upon the world. That's going to be unleashed upon the world. We don't have to fear that. And that's been the reality for God's people. Essentially, 
I mean, he, he judged them because they were, they were sinful. Does God still judge us? Yes, I think he does still judge us, but he doesn't judge us in order. He, he doesn't judge us the same as he did. Like he doesn't, does, I don't think he smites us. He judges us in order that we would turn to him and, and repent. I think it's also the background of the Old Testament too. I mean, people who did it wrongfully, he smite, like he brought his wrath upon them, but ultimately mm-hmm. it was to turn the people to recognize, no, you guys, you're doing this wrong. Like how these priests offered sacrifices, that's wrong. The fact you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant on a cart, that's wrong. You're not supposed to be doing these things. Like, And who was carrying it? Right? All these things are, he's trying to turn them and steer them back to, no, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I think that's the same. I think it's the same. It's just it's different different ways doing it in in the Old and mm-hmm. New Testament. Well, and one more thing I'll say is, because uh, I, I took a, a class last week in Ruth and Jonah, and particularly with Jonah, when Jonah ran away from God, God essentially judged him uh, by sending that storm. When Jonah was on the boat, and the great storm came, and he was and he was thrown into the ocean. That that was part of God's plan. That was part of God's judgment on Jonah for right. running away from the plan. But God had great compassion on Jonah. Interestingly, by sending the fish, the fish was the means of salvation. That was Jonah's. That was God's compassion to Jonah, and also by showing compassion to Nineveh. You know, that's that, that was the right. point of the whole book was. Jonah, go tell Nineveh to repent, and if and and if they don't, I'm going to send my judgment. They repent, and God shows compassion. Like that's a story of God's compassion. We see God's compassion more than I think we do His wrath. Even in the law, the way that He lays out His laws, He says, "Have compassion on the foreigner. Have compassion on on the poor, on the weak. Have compassion." Like that is very much a God of compassion and not a yeah. God of wrath. Yeah. And I mean, the book of Hosea is a, per, a great example of that too, right? Like, I mean, it's a metaphor and it's a real story, I think as well, but just the idea of like mm. Israel continually prostituting themselves out to other things. And yet God continually brought them back into this like time and time again. I think sometimes we miss those stories and miss the, the love, the patience, the compassion mm. of God when we focus on these other stories, God's wrath, right? We don't, we don't see the patience of God as much. If I, if I may just jump back to that story of Uzzah and the, and the, the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, the compassion there and the patience God had there was extreme. If we, if we know what was supposed to happen, um, now let's go through it quickly. I mean, they're supposed to carry the Ark. They weren't supposed to put it on a cart, and yet they put it on a cart. It's supposed to be covered. It seemingly wasn't covered. Hmm. Even if even if Uzzah was a Kohathite, he wasn't supposed to look at the ark. He was supposed to just carry it, right? He wasn't if he was a Kohathite. We don't know if he was or wasn't. And there's this all these things that they did wrong, and yet it wasn't actually till he touched it that he died. In Numbers, it says, "If you look at the ark, you will die." He obviously mm-hmm. could look upon it; he didn't die. And so, I mean, there's there's compassion in that story. You see, like God is so patient with His people; like they're not supposed to do these things, and yet they did a whole bunch of these things and it wasn't until he actually touched it that he died. And so there actually is a thread of compassion there. And 
I mean, you, you people can look up the verses themselves and kind of see where it is. But number seven talks about like uh, Moses giving out all these ox carts to people. He says, but you don't, Kothites, you don't get any because you're supposed to carry everything on your shoulders. You're not supposed to get any of these ox carts. Mm. And so there's, there's threads that we see. It's like, oh, and we understand that. I think we can see, well, God was very patient with them there. He was very patient with them. He didn't, mm. he said, you will die if you look upon the ark. And mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't until he actually touched it. So I think there, there is compassion in that story as well. Hmm. that we do wrong to miss if we don't do our fair research, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think of Isaiah uh, when he has the vision in the temple and he says, holy, 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 my, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the angel right. comes in and puts the, I can't quite remember, he put that hot piece of whatever. Coal. <laughs> that, yeah. that coal, yeah. yeah, that's what I, he put that hot piece of coal on his lips and made him clean the reason i think about that is people are unclean people are unholy and that's why god judges people really is because of their unholiness i I, it goes back to what rc sproul has said over and over again he is god and we are not we could easily say who are we to question god who are we to question what he does he is righteous it's, it's an easy way to just say anything that God does is not, it, it, it is not unrighteous. Everything that God does is righteous. Everything he does is meticulous. It's well thought out. It's not, it's not just, it's not random. That's what we have to remember. Here. Right. What, everything that God does is not a random thing. He doesn't just get angry and, and then, you know, out of his anger, accidentally kills somebody. It's because right. of his, it, it, out of his wrath, out of his, he wants to be treated holy. He wants to, he, he, he needs to be treated holy, but he's compassionate. As you're saying, he's a compassionate God. Right. Well, I think, I think that points to something else. Like, I guess the RC, like you said, Sproul in his book, he kind of, I guess he kind of was the, uh, the enticer to do this episode. I mean, he, he, he talks about it really well. He said it's almost like God saying, like, be careful, like while while you're enjoying the benefits of my grace, don't forget there's justice here. I'm just. I will bring justice. Don't forget your sin. Remember I am holy. These things are important. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they do intertwine. I think we should remember, even today, like, yeah, we, we benefit from the grace of God and the mercy of God for our salvation. We benefit greatly. However, we shouldn't forget the justice, the wrath, the the holiness of God mm-hmm. today. I think those things are mm-hmm. there. We have to remember oh. both of them. I think they're absolutely they're vital to each other. I think, and I think I think the way that we consider God's holiness, the way that we reverence God today, I think I said this before, is how much do we grieve our sin? How much do we actually take our sin seriously? Honestly. Do we take our sin seriously? Does the church take their sin seriously? Are we grieving over what's happening in society today? There, there are injustices happening all around the world. And are we, are we grieving that? I think that's one way where we take God's holiness seriously. He is so holy that he, he does not want, he, he cares about the people who are facing injustice and he wants to, justice right. to be done he's not just letting people get away with stuff 
as human beings, we need to make sure that people come to justice, uh, that, that he's, he's ordained that. And he's also going to bring justice to those who have done injustices to people. So I think those are two, those are two things of how we take God's holiness and his wrath seriously today. God's wrath for, for us as Christians, it's been appeased uh, right. by Jesus Christ. And so we live in freedom of that. We have been set free from sin, uh, and we don't have to live in fear of God you know, smiting us down. I might go outside, and a tree might fall on me or something. Was that God's judgment on me? Maybe, but I have confidence that... I am his child. You know, it, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. I, I think, I think he sends things our way. God chastises those whom he loves. That, that uh, goes back to Hebrews. Right. Yep. Um, he does that. He sends things, whatever that may look like. I'm not sure. He sends things our way. He lets things happen so that we would, that we would always rely on him. And so I think I'm kind of making a differentiation here between judgment, like between the between judgment for a Christian and judgment for a non-Christian, because judgment, I don't know. Can I make that differentiation? I'm, I'm kind of just thinking out loud here, I guess, is what I'm doing. Um, no, I think there is a differentiation there. I think, I think you do well to say that how, I like how you said that, that yeah, if a tree falls on you, if you die tomorrow, you've, I still have confidence that, I'm a child of God, right? I'm saved. I have my salvation is with Christ. I know that. And like you said, it could be the judgment of God. Like we don't know. Ultimately, we don't know. But I would hope that it might, even that event would steer people to repentance, steer people to mm. taking things more seriously. You know, like, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm. our lives mm-hmm. on this earth are serious. We need to do something with them because we don't know when the end is going to come for us. So it's kind of, I think it might be a wake up call to people. I'm not, I'm not saying that's why God does things. I'm not advocating that at all i mean i I don't i don't know i I don't think it's wrong though that the judgment for a believer and a non-believer is different Hmm. i'm sure someone would disagree with that right someone smarter than me probably (laughs) yeah and i'm okay with that i guess what i'm um what i'm saying is that for the christian we we won't face the ultimate judgment which is eternal condemnation as right. a christian we will we avoid that conduct we avoid that judgment the judgment that i'm talking about for a christian what i'm thinking about is because I, I think peter talks about this judgment comes first for god's people i think is what he's talking about but what he's but think about who he's writing to people who are being persecuted people who are suffering for their faith so in a way he's saying that's judgment but that's not judgment saying God is against you. That's judgment right. of God is trying to refine you. God is bringing this. Uh, I'm thinking about language Peter's using. He's bringing this fire to refine you, to make you more holy. So it, it just seems like there's two different, whereas judgment to non-Christians is God is against you. And maybe he is trying to right. bring you into his fold. I don't know. This is this right. is honestly a lot of just thinking out loud right now, uh, which is no, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Hey, that's <laughs> good. It's all good. Well, to end this, just kind of to wrap it all up. So, justice of God in the Old Testament, we would say, it's just a different 
understanding of the wrath of God, judgment of God. It's a different understanding of how God works, different understanding of his character rather than different character. Or would you still say that the wrath of God is more prominent in the old than the new? See, I think where I land on it is I think it's just we understand it. We don't fully understand the Old Testament. Therefore, we fully don't understand the character of God in the Old Testament. Right. That's how I kind of look at it. And so we see these events and we just think, oh, that's so wrathful. Oh, it's so mean. That's so <laughs> yeah. judgmental. God is mean. I think, I just think that we don't fully understand it. Therefore, that's kind of our go-to, right? Whereas the New Testament, we like to think we understand it more. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But And so we are more okay with harshnesses. Also, like you said, and there is an essence of we don't have to worry about that judgment. The wrath of God was appeased by Christ. And so I think that's where I land. I don't, I don't think mm. it's different. I don't think certain ones are, maybe they are highlighted more, but I think it's just the under, our understanding of them is kind of skewed a little bit. Yeah, uh, God doesn't change in the New Testament. Uh, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he sent his son. Uh, it wasn't that Jesus was saying, Father, Father, you know, I'm, I'm going to give myself, so can you just stop? It was God the Father saying, I want you to go right. and die for these people. It was out of his love. And we see that thread of love. I think we see that thread of love throughout the Old Testament a lot more than his wrath. We just see these stories of wrath and we think, oh my goodness, these are crazy. Uh, but we really have to yeah. understand the gravity of of sinfulness. Um, I, I always say, for God so loved the world that he commanded Noah to build an ark. Uh, I'm kind of inversing what's happening there. It was it was God's love for right. the world. It wasn't it wasn't uh, you know he was judging the world, but he was also he also loved the world so much that he wanted to preserve humanity. Yeah, we see that on the cross. We see God's judgment, and we see his love on the cross. We see those two right. things coming together, just as we see at the Ark. And to throw another wrench in this plan, though, I mean, we haven't talked about holy war. Um, that is something that that does pull push against the idea of seeing God's love. It does seem very wrathful. But right. like I said, we can talk about that at a different podcast because else this one's going to go on forever. But uh, if you want to yes. listen to that, leave a comment, leave a post, email yes. us, whatever. Let us let us know if you want to hear about that. We'll we'll uh, definitely do it. Yes, yes, indeed. We would love to hear if you would want us to talk about that. But again, thank you, everybody, for listening today. We so appreciate it. Uh, I say that every mm-hmm. week. We, we both say that every week, but we do. Uh, we enjoy doing these things, and we're just thankful that people uh, want to keep listening. So please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you don't like what we're doing here, then give us a bad rating because we want to know, should we keep doing this? Uh, also share on Facebook and Twitter. We really depend on you, our listeners in order to advertise the Pondercast because we want others to join in this conversation as well. So we want you to be part of this mission of helping people to think differently. And, and I mean, this is a, this episode we just did, this might be a good thing to share with unbelievers. Hopefully this can be something that helps them, uh, figure out God's wrath. But you, again, you can give us feedback or episode ideas by emailing us at perrysponderings at gmail.com. Uh, you can also do that. Uh, you can give us feedback, episode ideas on Facebook and Instagram and at Perry's Ponderings. Uh, and you can join the conversation on our Facebook page and on Instagram with the question, 
How do we wrestle? How do we reconcile God's wrath in the Old Testament? How should we grapple with God's wrath in the Old Testament? If there's other things in this episode that you want to comment on, please leave that comment as well. You can also leave us a voice message on our podcast host website. You can go to anchor.fm slash the pondercast and leave us a voice message. And we'd love to include that in a future episode for more ponderings, check out perrysons.com. Thanks again. And until next week, keep pondering folks.